1: What made you transition? what why wine? Like what made you transition from baseball to wine?
0: That's the fun thing about being in the in the wine industry.
1: Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Step Up to the Palate. I'm j Tom Gunter.
0: And this is Scott Hairston.
1: And uh, we're going to get right into it with you guys. First of all, thanks for checking out our uh, our podcast. Um, we're going for another one this time. We're looking forward to uh, engaging with you guys off, offline. Please message us, hit us up with any questions you have for the podcast. Um, and yeah, we're all about wine here, and we're going to get right into it today. Uh, today, we're talking about Pinot Noir, uh, one of the most celebrated grapes in the wine world, um, I know for a fact that if you're going to try to take your test for uh, becoming a sommelier, uh, this is one grape that you need to know uh, front, back, side to side. You need to know everything about this grape because it is definitely one of the most important grapes on on the planet. Uh, And a lot of that comes from Sideways, the movie, Uh, just to kind of go back a little bit. um, If you remember the lines in Sideways, if you ever watched that wonderful movie, the guy really, really loved Pinot Noir, and so um, I didn't agree with all his things that he loved, like loved or didn't like, uh, such as Merlot. I love Merlot, but um, his his take on Pinot Noir it is a wonderful grape. And um, let's get right into it. Pinot Noir, also known as um, Gunder, um also known as um, let me see. There's a, there's a couple different like. Um, Pinot Nero out of Italy, like it's known for a lot of different names uh, throughout the world. Um, but Pinot Noir is a thin skin, skin grape, very hard to do right. Um, it's finicky. Um, it's the best place in the world. Um, the place that everyone tries to replicate. Replicate um, with Pinot Noir is Burgundy, uh, France. Uh, but some other regions that are super amazing with making uh, Pinot Noir are. Places such as, of course, United States, uh, specifically Santa Barbara does really well. Santa Cruz mountains does really well. Uh, some places in Northern California, you can get some um, good stuff. If you're looking at Russian river and Sonoma area. Um, and I mean, there's, I mean, everywhere, you, the Santa Clara Valley makes good Pinot. California is one of those uh, special places where it's just done well because there's so many different microclimates. Um, also, other places like Central Otago, New Zealand, they make outstanding Pinot Noir. Um, there's also places in Australia, such as Tasmania, they do really good Pinot Noir. Willamette up in Oregon makes outstanding Pinot Noir. But today we are gonna be talking about one out of Chile. I love Chilean and Pinot. Uh, not everyone does it right, but some people just, they just know what they're doing with this grape. And this one, uh, we're talking about the Et- Et Nico. Uh, Pinot Noir 2019 out of Chile. Hope you guys, if you guys are watching this, you hope you can see the label. Um, this is the 2019, and um, of course, this is coming from Scout and Cellar. Uh, any tech notes that uh, people need to know about this uh, this wine specifically, Scott?
0: Well, it's pretty smooth. I actually had it last week. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones. It's it's really light bodied. At least mm-hmm. that's the way I, I take it. It's it's a wine that you can open midday. You don't necessarily have to pair it with anything. And it it hits really good. I, I haven't met a person that, that didn't like this Pinot. Uh, I've had it quite a few times, maybe four or five times. And it's a winner, definitely. I, I love it. I don't have it in my wine stash right now at the moment because I drank it last week. <laughs> but uh, that's the one I opened when we, when we were talking the other day and, and having our little uh, chat about this upcoming um, podcast show, but um, but no, it's, it's it's a great one, definitely.
1: Cool. So some char- characteristics of Pinot Noir: they tend to be more uh, medium to a medium minus body. Like they tend to be light on their feet. Uh, they're they're not like big bold ones. They're not big bold wines as far as weight on your palate, but they can be big and bold uh, depending on where you are, um, where they're being planted, and where it's growing from. Um, they can have like very focused um, characteristics. Um, some of the some of those characteristics tend to be black cherry, tend to be um, like light on the tannins, uh, a little bit of like uh, raspberry tends to get there, sometimes cranberry. Uh, so they tend to be more around the red fruit area as opposed to like, you know, like a, a Syrah, which is more like blue and black fruit. Um, but yeah, let's get right into this wine. I've been waiting, I've been chomping at the bit to actually try this wine. Um, I've been smelling it while I've been talking to him, so let's get right into it. On the nose on this wine. So that's this strawberry uh, raspberry thing is like really just popping out the glass at me. Um, Interesting uh, cool little raspberry thing going on. There's also like a, a kick of earth, like wet soil going on too. Also, I don't know if you guys, uh, I don't know if you bought a new car recently or set in a new car recently, but there's like this really new leather smell that's jumping out the glass. Uh, It has like, you know, this kind of like cherry leather thing going on, which is really cool. It's also like a little bit of a, a spice, like a cinnamon too, which is really awesome. Yeah, mad red fruit on this wine. Let's go ahead and taste and see what's going on and see if everything's translating to the palate. Mm. Mm. Perfect marriage was like tart, sweet, and savory. Uh, up front, you get that fruit, but it's more of like a. On the nose, you would think it's more of a riper strawberry, but this is actually a little underripe on, uh, as as it approaches the palate. It's not. It has like this tart strawberry going on up front, with this like uh like off draw. Or sorry, um underripe raspberry on the finish uh some of the spice that i was talking about that cinnamon thing kicks it in the mid palate and extends to the finish this has a very long finish too by the way like i'm already like it's still going as i'm yapping it's still going the acid is medium plus on this um and you know how to, you remember how to try like figure out what acid is if the mouth okay. if your mouth is watering like crazy on the sides um after you've taken the wine down that means it's a uh, medium plus to high acid depending on um What wine you're sipping on? Uh, Tannin is medium. You're not really getting a lot of tannin here. Could even be medium minus, to be honest with you. Um, Great, nice mouthfeel. Very silky on the palate. Uh, Let's taste a little bit more. Mm. There's also this really cool, like uh, green herbal thing that's on the third quarter to the finish which is just now hitting my palate. Actually, not even third quarter. It's more mid palate. I'm catching this like green herbal thing, which is awesome. Um, I love Chilean wines. I think um, for your buck, if you're looking for a value in wine period, whether it's Pinot Noir, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Chile is a perfect place to look to. Um, I have always been a person who, who uh, has bought wine for value. Uh, I don't like spending a lot of money, money on wine. That's just not me. And because... I've uh, studied enough about wine. I know how to find amazing wines for a good price. And I know I'm kind of like a, uh, I'm good at researching and knowing where to look. Um, kind of like a ninja when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like I'll go to a store and like, I'll zero in on one, I'm like, oh, that's the one. They don't even know about this. And they're giving it for like $6. I'm taking, I'm taking a case of it. So Chile is a great place to look at for value. Wonderful, wonderful Pinot Noir. Um, do you know the price on these, on this one? Uh,
0: I believe it's uh, at 24 24 26 plan. around that that's a I would say between plan. 24 and 30 from what I remember okay mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, a, I had a question for you um, so we were, we we're talking about the different parts the, uh, of the the, the regions of uh, mm-hmm. the Pinos um, I read the other day from a Psalm that his favorite uh, Pinots come from France. Um, he, mm-hmm. he, I think he pretty much said, depending on the region, how, how cool it is there, it, he didn't really like pinots from a warmer climate. He liked it from a semi cool climate. Now, mm-hmm. is that something that you look into, or do you like both? Where the Cali, the Cali, pinots, I don't know if Cali is uh, considered a pinot state. I know. Washington and Oregon have done nice, nice pinots. But what is your thoughts between, I would say the old world and new world uh, pinots?
1: So I am a fan of both. Um, my, my, if, if you're talking about gun to my head, which one am I picking? It's going. I'm going more old world because that's just where my palate is normally. Um, they tend to be a little bit more tart. They tend to be a little bit more higher acid. They tend to be a little bit more food friendly. Um, I did those ones and those ones specifically Burgundy, Burgundian Pinot Noirs tend to be um, way more versatile and way more complex than a lot of other Pinots from all over the world. Um, There's like a subtlety. It's like an an art, like an art with his masterpiece. Like there's a subtlety to that uh, masterpiece that makes people want to spend money on it. And that's why people spend so much money on Burgundy because you can't get that subtlety and complexity in a lot of other places in the world. Uh, It's special for a reason.
0: But absolutely,
1: I love California. I love California. I love Oregon, uh, Willamette. I love those places because they're doing their own thing, man. They're like kind of cutting edge, and some of them like some of them are so good that you don't need food with it, which is a total like that's turning the uh, that's kind of turning the whole thing upside down. Like normally, you want Pinot to pair with food, uh, mm-hmm. but being able to drink by itself without pairing with food. That's that's something different, and the fact that we have some in California that you can do that, uh, like I said, Russian River makes great ones, and the Valley, like that whole area of San Luis Obispo, makes outstanding Pinot Noir. Uh, Santa Barbara is probably my favorite, one of my favorite places uh, for Pinot, uh, like San Lucia Highlands, that whole area, that whole like from Monterey, uh, Santa Cruz area, they make outstanding Pinots there. So we are California is considered a Pinot uh, place. It's just they tend to be a little bit riper. So you get a little bit more fruit forwardness, uh, right? And but some of them because of those cold nights. This is this is what every Pinot winemaker says to me, every single one of them. Even if it's extremely hot during the day in California, they're always going to plant Pinot where it's colder nights because they want it. They want that uh, fermentation within the grape to stop. Um, they want that. They they want they want it to stop at night, like so it's cool, so that acid jumps out a little bit more so you have more of a balance as opposed to just gloppy fruit you have the acid backbone to kind of raise up the fruit a little bit and so that's why a lot of stuff in california tend to be um a lot of winemakers in california like to plant it in places where it has cold nights meaning that you have a a shift of temperature so fast in california um that it just it just does really good for like pinot noir which, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because we have all these microclimates out here. <laughs> California yeah, is
0: interesting exactly. that way. Yeah. Exactly. Pinot has been um, one of my favorite uh, varietals. I mean, I, I never, I, was, I, I went from drinking Cab to Malo mm-hmm. to Malbec and then Pinot seemed to come last for me, but it's my favorite now. I think the reason why is because it's so light on the palate for me and I can drink it any time during the day. I don't have to pair it with anything. So if I have company over, I usually start with a Pinot. Mm-hmm. And then let's say if we're going to have steak, I usually do like a Malbec. Or if if I happen to get my get my hands on uh, a Syrah, mm-hmm. I, I will feature that for dinner if we're doing steaks. Or Zinfandel, which I'm drinking right now. Uh, we're having burgers tonight, so I'm prepping mm. for that. Yes, yeah, uh, So I'm learning the pair, but at the same time, I think Pinot, that, that's the, my go-to. So let's say if I if we're just gonna go open a bottle with friends and just chill out in the patio, I'm I'm opening up a Pinot. Can't go wrong with that. So um, Pinot has my heart right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I understand that, man, that is, it is one of the, like I said, it's a love for a lot of people. Uh, One thing too, just so you like for your notes, um, they're gonna, on the test, one thing they're gonna really focus on is Burgundy, uh, France. And so you need to know um, two places. And I'll send you, I'll send this in writing for you too, but two places okay. you want to know Côte Nuits and Côte Beaune, because those oh, are two, those are two areas. Those are two regions where most of the, one, most of the Burgundian wines are coming from. Uh, you have Chardonnay being the white grape, the main white grape, and then Pinot Noir being the main red grape. And they're split okay. up to where one place has mostly Pinot Noir, and the other place has mostly Chardonnay. Now, it doesn't say that they can't be grown in both places, but when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at uh, Premier Cru, which is the the second highest level of uh, of class, of, or highest level of Pinot Noir, and then Grand Cru, which is the highest level, um, in order, there's specific places in these places, Cote, Cote, uh, Cote Bon and Cote Nuit, that um, if this if this grape is being grown from this specific place it's already considered like a, a premier crew or grand crew because it's just it's that okay. specific in France so I'll definitely send you that information but this is just information for everybody who's listening to to know that if you're if you're trying to go for your first level uh, to become a sommelier, they're going to be asking you a lot about burgundy so make sure you do a lot of research on burgundy and specific areas like Cotonoui, and côte de bone, because that's gonna you're gonna need to know that kind of stuff um, as far as Burgundy goes. Also, understand that Champagne is right there, is right above Burgundy, and they're using they're using Burgundy grapes too. They're using uh, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and Chardonnay. Mostly, there's some other one. There is one other one too, but those are the three you need to know. And then on the south of Burgundy, which is never talked about um, unless you're in the industry. Um, is Gamay is right down there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's uh and that's that's when you're getting the Beaujolais, uh crew Beaujolais, which are to me, quality wise, their top quality rivals a lot of the the Burgundian ones, but you're getting it at like a quarter of the price. So if you like if you're looking for something that's kind of similar as far as weight on your palate to Pinot Noir, Gamay from Beaujolais um, is a perfect place to look to. Perfect place to look to. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much just some, some homework for you to, to, uh, n- to, you know, look into. Okay. By the way, this wine is just opening it up so well, man. It's like this, wa- that wa- raspberry is jumping out the glass too. And it's kind of like a wild raspberry, like still on the, st- still on the, the stem. Mm-hmm. Really awesome juice, man. You guys in and Cellar be killing it. I gotta say, like, yeah, I've not had a bad wine from you guys.
0: Well, that's good to know. A lot of people, when they first start drinking natural wines, they don't really like it. They don't embrace it because I guess I guess most Americans, I would say, are fruit forward type of wine drinkers. And from what I read, that people uh, in Europe, when they taste the sommeliers taste, they usually bring out the earthy uh, elements of the wine, the, the soil, the terroir and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for natural wines, I guess what I learned too, is, uh, they open up differently. Mm-hmm. Some, some take 30, 40 minutes to open up and some take just 10 minutes. As yep. you're saying right now, we've been on for about 10 minutes and, um, you're really liking it every, yeah. every single day. So that's, that's good to know.
1: The, uh, what's cool about the natural. What, so this is the thing that I've noticed that turns people off in of natural, especially people in the industry. Like it's easy to grab somebody who's brand new to the industry, like on uh, on a trend. It's easy to grab those guys because they're brand new to the industry. They don't know what they like yet. They're like little baby, like you know, drinkers. So it's easy By to me? take them. Well, you've been drinking wine for a long time, so it's not like even though you're brand new to learning some of this stuff, you've been drinking for a long time. I'm talking about like, the people that are really brand new to wine drinking. It's oh, easy okay. to take the, the like the youngsters and and grab them and like direct them on the trend of natural wine. People who've been in the industry, those are the hardest harder ones to convert. For the simple right. fact that for what I hear about with a lot of natural wines and even taste a lot, something that I'm very sensitive to is the finish. There's always like, it feels like they do an amazing job up front with some of these natural wines. And then it gets to the finish and it has this like nasty, bitter finish that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. The good thing about Scout and Cellar, I haven't had that problem. Every one of the like the, your winemakers, like, I feel like you guys are vetting them the right way because every one of the wines I've had from you guys, they know to like continue with the process. And it and by continuing with the process, I don't get that bitter thing on the on the fish that I hate. It's clean, it's sustainable, the fruit is pure. It's just outstanding juice. And I love what you guys are doing over there. So just another big ups to Scout and Teller for, for providing us with amazing, amazing juice, man. Amazing juice. Cheers to that. Cheers, man. So did you have anything else about Pinot Noir? Any questions before we uh, end?
0: um not really i I think you you answered everything um really good i was just trying to get your take on old world versus new world that was my main question and and you're kind of leaning toward the old world and that's where i i kind of lean toward too man the the pinots from france are incredible they are i love
1: i mean there's some good, I mean, all over France. I keep on talking about Burgundy, but I'm talking about like the Loire Valley makes great Pinot Noir. There's a lot of places in uh, in um, France that just make outstanding Pinot. But for the for the sake of the test, focus on uh, Burgundy because you're going to need to know that. And of course, if you have any questions, you can always hit me up directly. And if anybody else has any questions that is listening to this, please hit me up directly, message me, um, and I'd, I'd be help, happy to explain anything with you. Um, so with that being said, um, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to this to this episode of Pinot Noir on the Step Up to the Palette. Uh, I am J. Tom Gunter and one of your hosts, and then this is, God Hairston, and cheers to the next time, guys.
0: Peace.